Time again for another Word Balloon podcast. Welcome, everybody. John Suntress here. I hope you're ready to settle in for a great conversation with me and Jason Aaron. I'm happy to welcome Jason back. Of course, he's having amazing success writing Star Wars for Marvel. Beautiful books, excellent stories. Love the uh, the single stories and the uh, two story arcs as well. Issue 11 just came out this week. This conversation was recorded before issue 11 came out, but we spent a lot of time talking about Star Wars. We also talk about his brand new image book that started this week, The God Damned. If you like Conan action adventure uh, set in a biblical backdrop, you are going to love The God Damned. Uh, that's what I love about it. It really is great kind of uh, warrior sand and sandal uh, sort of action in this uh, very new world. And uh, he uh, takes uh, full uh, advantage of uh, using the biblical characters as his heroes and villains, or I should just say players, in this very, very interesting series that debuted this week. We also talk about Southern Bastards and a slew of his other Marvel books, including uh, the regular Thor series, the uh, Secret War tie-in Thors, and of course his other tie-in to Secret World's Battle World. A real fun conversation, and happy to welcome back Jason Aaron on today's Word Balloon podcast. It's brought to you by InStock Trades at InStockTrades.com where amazing deals are happening right now, just in time for the holidays at InStockTrades.com. I should point out, if you're new to InStock Trades, this is a perfect time to jump in. And if it's your first order, you'll get an extra 2% off of your uh, first order. Not only that, uh, they make it easy because there are tons of deals going on. There's a 45% off uh, deal going on uh, with Marvel and Dark Horse titles. Up to 70% on select Fanagraphics, Humanoids, First, Second, Hermes Press, and other publishers. Uh, up to 50% off Artists and Gallery Edition books. Um, we're also talking about th- over 300 DC titles are up to 70% off. Uh, select Dynamite titles are up to 70% off. Other DC and Image books other DC and Image books are a huge 45% off, and uh, that's the blanket deals. Let me tell you about some specific deals going on right now at InStockTrades.com. How about American Vampire Trade Paperback number 7? Man, I'm telling you, Scott Snyder and Raphael Albuquerque's excellent series keeps rolling along. 50% off Trade 7. It's uh, $7.49. Superman Adventures. Love these. Love the Batman Adventures. Tremendous stories. They are all ages stories, but that doesn't mean they're not good stories. I'm telling you, excellent action and really good character moments in these Superman adventure stories from uh, Paul D- Dini and uh, Rich Burkett. Uh, it is 50% off, and it's only $9.99. You can also get from uh, Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips the Deluxe uh, Hardcover Edition Volume 2 of Fatal, 45% off, $27.49. From Rick Remender and Greg Tuccini, uh, you can get Volume 2 of Low, The Dawn Burns Us, Before the Dawn Burns Us, 45% off, $8.24. From Eric Powell, you can get the hardcover Library Volume 1 edition of The Goon. Uh, it is 45% off, $21.99. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. You're going to find a lot more great deals waiting for you at InStockTrades.com. Just in time for uh, the Christmas holidays. You can't beat it. It's a great place to shop. InStockTrades.com. All right, let's get uh, things started with our conversation with Jason Aaron. I am happy to welcome him back. And uh, had, uh, I'm a follower of his on Facebook, and he was showing beautiful pictures of his brand spanking new home office uh, where he was not only writing but podcasting from uh, that evening. Uh, we tried to do a Skype call, but uh, 
Jason had internet problems, so this is uh, him on the phone and me via Skype. But uh, got it. Uh, I'm just complimenting him on his office, and we immediately start breaking into uh, how well Star Wars is doing. So uh, we start with that information. So you don't get the introduction. Uh, until about uh, 30 seconds or a minute into the conversation. But enjoy this conversation with uh, Jason Aaron. Happy to welcome him back to Word Balloon. Hey, your office looks amazing. Uh, oh, thanks. Thanks. Where yeah. I'm talking to you from. I figured as much. No, absolutely. Nice going. That's beautiful. Uh, thanks. Yeah, it was, our, it was just sort of, you know, empty attic space. <clears throat> we finished off. Nice going. So... It's nice, the office that Star Wars built. Excellent. I can appreciate that. Absolutely, man. <laughs> I, 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 you know, are, are we on the record on the number six? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, a million copies of issue one. That was pretty sick. Yeah, that's true. All right, that's good. <clears throat> um, and then that, the Vader Down, the new one, the crossover, sold. It was like half a million, I think. So. Holy cow. That's outstanding. I haven't. All right, I haven't been reading that, so you're going to have to catch me up and everything and, and explain. You're going to have to explain oh. to me, son. Take me by well, the hand. There's this guy <laughs> called Luke Skywalker. <laughs> right, that part I heard about. <laughs> now, that's the good guy, right? Uh, well, yes, yes. <laughs> He's a good. Are we on the record? Are we? Are we rolling? Are we okay to be on the record? Sure, sure. All right, because half of this is funny. <laughs> Welcome back, Jason Aaron. <laughs> I missed you. Good, to be back. Good man. Yeah. <laughs> no. Hey. All right. Let's. I mean, because I want to. Obviously, the goddamned is amazing, and I get to say that and not be in trouble for saying because it, it is the title. <laughs> well, you may still get in trouble. I don't know. It's not for me. Nah. You know, it's uh, the FCC doesn't play with word balloons, so it's okay. <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> so but yeah, I, well, I was they, planning uh, on cursing a lot tonight. So. They can't. I, yeah, you can't be on the View. You can't be on uh, like like you you were with Thor and everything, or at least Thor was on the View. Right. Uh, yeah, they didn't call me. Robert Kirkman was on the View though, so I, I remember know, that. Maybe someday I can get on there. I would hope so, man. Um, all right, but uh, let's let's talk about let's talk about Vader down and Star Wars and and just how crazy sick and and great this is. So um, so Vader down is a is a, a crossover event. What's happening? Yes, yeah, it's crossover event starts next month, I think, November. Um, okay. You know, it, it kind of made sense to to maybe do a big crossover between the two main Star Wars books uh, as we got closer to the movie. That seemed like a pretty good idea. Um, and it was a good time story-wise for uh, Kieran Gillen and I to kind of bring our books crashing back together. I mean, we... We started the two series, it's a Star Wars book and Kieran's Darth Vader book. And mm-hmm. kind of from the first arc, we made it very clear that these books were taking place at the same time. There were a lot of connections. You know, we did some of the same scenes from kind of different angles in, in the books. And the, especially the, the end of the both, both arcs kind of ended with the same moment, which was the moment when Vader first heard the name Skywalker in connection to the mysterious pilot who blew up the Death Star. So Absolutely. Which is awesome, by the uh, way. That, thanks, you know, thanks. Yeah, we're, we're had... getting... okay. yeah, I mean that's great to you know, kind of see the hunt and and also see Vader in a position of like, hey, guess what? You're not our <laughs> you're not you're not the uh the hero of the of the Empire and everything. You screwed up. Right. And you gotta find you gotta find out who the hell fucked you over here. 
Well, we, you know, we actually all wrote that moment in a bar in San Francisco when we, um, you know, a bunch of us flew out for meetings with Lucasfilm, kind of when we, we first started talking about doing Star Wars, you know, kind of right after Disney bought Lucasfilm and we, Axel just called me and said, hey, do you want to do Star Wars? And I said, sure. I had no idea what I was signing up for, what book I would be doing, nothing. So we kind of all fly out there, you know, me and Kieran and Axel and C.B. Sabolski and Jordan White and uh, John Cassidy. And we had a bunch of meetings with Lucasfilm and we, we got to go to the, the ranch and tour the archives. Yes, you told so the, yeah you told us about that part, but go on. Yes. Right, so that was after, after we had spent the day, you know, geeking out at the archives. We were at the bar and <laughs> over drinks and just started talking. And we kind of that's when we we kind of all together figured out, <clears throat> um, you know, that we wanted to grab that moment kind of right out of the gate. We wanted to grab that moment of of Vader hearing that name. That that was going to be kind of the, the you know the climax for for both of our opening arcs. So we all wrote that together, um, you know, which we wanted from the big, the, the get-go to grab, you know, for big moments, the, the biggest moments we could possibly get, you know. I mean, we didn't want the books to feel like you didn't need to read them. You sure. know? I mean, we wanted them to feel important um, and feel like the next part of that story. Well, and the key to that is Lucas letting you guys do that. Right, I, mean, every, exactly. I think, yeah. you know, so yeah. So like, was there a negotiation or is it because everything is, you know, technically under one company now that it's, it's a lot easier, do you think? Did you hear from any like Star Wars Dark Horse people in terms of, oh, Christ, we couldn't get to do that. We would have loved to have done that. No, no, I've never talked to any, anybody who's worked on any of the Dark Horse stuff. Um, but no, I mean, I think. I think everybody on Marvel was kind of of the same mind because, you know, it was a big deal and the, the these characters were coming back to Marvel after, you know, many years and, and everybody yeah. knew we wanted to make this as big as possible and we knew we were going to be kind of the first big thing of of the year and, you know, as this year has kind of just gotten the Star Wars excitement, you know, has gotten um, bigger and bigger as the year has gone on. Yeah. We kind of all knew this was this needed to be really big, and so I think we were all of a mind said, "Let's do, you know, make this a Marvel comic." And with the Marvel comic, you want those big oh shit moments. So I think we all tried to grab as many oh shit moments as we could, um, you know, from the very get go. And and Lucasfilm was down with all that. I mean, I. We we just kind of just threw everything out there, you know, um, and 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 they've been great. Um, so yeah, the the whole ride has been really really crazy and exciting. Um, we've still got a long way to go. Um, before we talk about the crossover, I want to point out in particular was it issue seven that was the Obi Wan uh, <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. So, solo story that was fantastic too man i mean that's the great thing is you know you really yeah you uh, no, you've got you're 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 in the world jason i mean that's the thing it's it <laughs> feels like star wars it doesn't feel like fake star wars or anything it's Thanks. it's great yeah absolutely man no tremendous story about what ben was doing you know between episode three and when we see him in new hope and kind of right. at least one 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 tale of that period and kind of setting up old Ben Kenobi's status quo as being 
the weird hermit on the outside, but what he's really doing and everything. Right. Yeah, thanks. People seem to really uh, have responded to that issue, which is cool because I want to do those um, between every arc, most every arc. Um, that was kind of always the idea to to sprinkle in those flashback stories because, yeah, I'm really fascinated by that period and kind of what, what he got up to um, while there on, on Tatooine. Um, you know, there's a lot of a lot of stuff we can do. Um, a lot of possibilities. So, um, you know, that's just kind of the tip of the iceberg there. Like seeing seeing Ben start to butt head with the job of the Huts um, thugs, and actually a couple issues before that, an issue I forget which one, four or five, um, when Jabba's talking to Vader, Jabba mentions, you know, yeah, that 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 Kenobi was a real pain in my ass, you know, for a while. <laughs> Uh, I'm paraphrasing here, but I'm hip though. That's great. No, exactly, man. That's the thing. It's um, it's what we all wanted, uh, and we only had six movies forever. And now, you know, the great thing is, is you know, you're able to kind of fill in the cracks, all of you guys. And uh, honestly, it is so neat to see that the response to all the Marvel Star Wars books. I mean, everyone seems to really, really love these things, and that's why it doesn't surprise me that you know. Uh, the main, you know, well, certainly for the first issue, you know, it, uh, everyone was at least going to buy that. But I mean, uh, you know, what kind of attrition has there been, uh, you know, 10 issues in now? Are you, are you, is it still like a big, ridiculous, like six figure number? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's the book is still selling great. You know, of course, of course you're going to have a bit of a drop when you start out with a million sure. copies. Um, <laughs> that's pretty crazy. But yeah, I mean, it's. I mean, I think we've been the the best-selling ongoing comic um, in comics for since the book started. You know, I mean, the stuff that spiked above us, you know, in Secret Wars and other things. But in terms of ongoing books, month in, month out, it's been Star Wars. So um, that's pretty crazy. I mean, I, I think it's pretty pretty confident saying it's the you know the the best-selling, most successful book I've been a part of in my in my time in comics. Um, so yeah, it's been, it's been a crazy ride. And I, you know, I, I feel good about all the books too. Like you're saying, I mean, everybody seems to be really responding to all of them. Um, Cause again, I think it, I think we're all trying to do books. Like you said, that feel like star Wars, you know, I mean, certainly Cassidy and I, that was what we talked about um, with that first arc. Cause we wanted this to feel like, you know, the movie on paper. Um, but we weren't trying to do a completely different tone and style of Star Wars story, that we wanted to do the kind of Star Wars story that made us fall in love with Star Wars in the very you know, in the first place. And that's what I'm still trying to do. I mean I think we've we've mixed it up we you know, we crossed the streams and we danced between the raindrops in terms of characters and vehicles and, and whatnot that we've seen um you know, in terms of that part of the timeline, you know, uh-huh. we we throw Job of the Hut in there. We throw uh, stuff from the Clone Wars, you know, in the in the yep. imminent arc. So um, I think we can mix all that kind of stuff up and still have it feel like, you know, these are the same characters, the same Luke Skywalker and Princess Leia and Han Solo that that we met, um, you know, when we were kids in the seventies. Well, and also, you know, yeah, that's 
No, I, you know, again, because I always feel like, uh, you know, like I'm kind of uh, crapping on Dark Horse, and I don't mean to sound that way because what Dark Horse was able to do was really widen things and, and you know, go into areas that, you know, it seems, you know, it just it just felt like in a lot of ways the main characters were almost hands-off up until that last year when Brian Wood was doing his series and stuff. Right. Um, so... You know, yeah. the The great thing is, is that you know, uh, that's that's what's the the excitement in terms of I think this Marvel stuff is because it was always good the Dark Horse stuff. It's just that it was you know just always on the edges, on the periphery. What was happening on you know on on, on Tatooine or a different Star Wars world? Uh, not not you know at the same time as you know in between the movies, and it's just getting the chance to tell this you know part of the continuity that other than Shadows of the Empire. Right? Wasn't Shadows of the Empire the novel that was between the movies? I don't think I read that one. I don't know. Okay, you know, honestly, because that's why. I, you know, if this were Star Trek, I'd give you chapter and verse. <laughs> I am kind of – because I really do like Star Wars. I, I, now, I You know, but I am of that of that generation that had Star Trek first, and it was like, oh, yeah, this thing's good. <laughs> we like Star Wars. That's fine. But, you know, like I think for everyone else that's younger, it is Star Wars first and foremost – and I guess I'm the Elvis fan that liked the Beatles as well. That's <laughs> that's the only way I can think of it. And so, no, I'm, I mean, I'm psyched for the movie. And I really – it's it's funny. I've come to the Marvel books late. I was kind of waiting for there to be uh, trades before I started really dipping in. And then I did. And, you know, certainly in your book, it was like, all right, now, now I really do want to read and, and catch up and everything. And I have. And, God, you know, Han's wife. What the hell? That's kind of cool. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, you know, I don't, I don't want to <laughs> shit on any of the dark horse stuff either. You know, they did a lot of good comics and published stuff over oh, yeah. a long, long period of time too. I mean, I think Marvel, we kind of have the benefit of, of starting fresh, right? Like we're doing, the, yeah. With, you know, everything kind of rebooted and then they, they um, took all the expanded universe stuff from before and said, well, that's kind of a, a separate thing now. And going forward, everything's part of the, the same canon. So you know we kind of benefited from that that fresh start, and I think the other big benefit is just the caliber of artists that we've had on the books too. You know, I mean, I'm, just in the book I've done, I've gotten to do um, big arcs with with Cassidy and and Stuart Eminem. And um, Eminem, yeah. So you you know you can't really beat that. Um, <laughs> so that's, so that's are you really cool to just the 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 level of talent, you know, that Marvel has, has kind of thrown at these books um, has been really cool. I've been hoping, to, and I plan on talking to Emma soon, uh, he and Catherine, because I loved their uh, indie book uh, that they that they put out at the end of the summer. Um, and I also obviously heard that uh, Stuart's got this uh, Mark Miller project coming up, so you're going to lose Stuart uh, pretty soon? Yeah, I think you're going to do that after, well, no, let's be doing that right now, because he's already finished with... Um, his arc of Star Wars, but he tells me he'll be back. Um, cool. All right. Um, Who's next for you? Does it go back to John or is it somebody else? Well, I don't know if I can say. I mean, uh, Dio Dado's drawing the, the Vader Down crossover. Um, Excellent. And I don't think anything beyond that has been announced yet. Okay. So are we, uh, uh, does, uh, does Stuart draw up through uh, 13 or 12 or? Um, 12. Okay, yeah. so we have yeah. we have we have two more for for Stuart, yeah. Before he ends, okay. Uh, 
and it's right. so, uh, yeah, it's so it's so gorgeous that whole arc. I mean, I yeah, I do a lot of. I, I feel a little bad that it's you know he wasn't drawing Darth Vader and stormtroopers kind of until the very end. So it was a lot of um, <laughs> um again, it was, there was a lot of Clone War stuff um in that arc, which I like kind of mixing it up. But there's also you know he designed this new um hut. A uh, very different kind of hut. I wanted a hut who could who looked like he could be look like he could be in a fist fight. You know, he's not yes. like, he's not ripped up, but he's pretty he's pretty muscular, especially compared to somebody like Jabba. So this Definitely. is a hut who could you know straight up punch you in the face, which we see him do at some point. He punches people in the face. So um, that's a character who who will you know we'll see again beyond this arc. There are a couple of characters we introduce in Stewart's arc who. Um, you know, not just not just one-offs, not just throwaways. They'll they'll play a big part in stories to come. And who's this big galoot that uh, is training Luke? Still a mystery. Who's the big galoot? Who's what? Who uh, who was like kind of showing Luke how to fight? Oh, was training him. Yeah, well, that's one of the that's one of the new characters I'm talking about. So that's the guy. Yeah. We'll learn a little bit more about that guy. He's got kind of a secret um, that we'll see by the end of it. And he's a he's a guy who will play a, a big role going forward in a in a rather unexpected way, I'd say. That's cool. You know, um, much it it was not surprising. I don't know why. In terms of uh, seeing Cassidy take to Star Wars, and maybe he had done covers in the past and stuff, mm-hmm. but. I have to say, I really do like Stuart a little bit better than I did John. I'm taking nothing away from John, and he's a he's a great artist and uh, certainly has a tremendous following and is a genius and everything. But I got to tell you, I really like Stuart in particular on uh, on Star Wars. So I'll be curious to see who uh, who comes after him for you. Well, I mean, I'm I'm just you know the happy guy who gets to work with both of those guys, right? Like we, yeah, kind of embarrassment of riches on this book, and that it's kind of been one great artist after another. Dude, you're you're taking care of left and right, Marvel and your own stuff. You've you've got uh, a listers abound on on all this stuff, and I'm I'm happy as hell for you. And some of them are our mutual friends, and uh, others are past collaborators. And uh, we'll we'll talk about those guys uh, in a second. But so, what can you tell me about Vader down? What? Uh, well, I, I mean, mean you like you you, you kind of just need to know. It's sort of right there in the title. This is um um. Darth Vader kind of finds himself in a situation where he's alone. He's uh, grossly outnumbered by by rebels. Gets shot down on an alien planet. So if you just imagine like a Jeff Darrow image of Darth Vader standing there by himself, <laughs> lightsaber in hand, and facing just thousands of rebel troops with their guns pointed at him, uh, that's that's Vader down. Cool. And then beyond that, you, the the fun stuff is is me taking the cast of my book and Kieran taking the cast of his book as he's introduced a lot of new characters and Vader and then us just slamming them together and watching them beat each other up. Um, that's been a, a real blast to write. Does that all happen in Vader Down or does it happen in your uh, both of your books as well? Well, there's Vader Down, number one, um, starts everything off. That's a big oversized issue uh, by me and Pia Dotto. And then the crossover goes back and forth between Star Wars and the and Darth Vader between and the Darth Vader. Book. So it's kind of like an you know an X Men style event like we usually do those where sure 
you have like an alpha issue and then bounce back and forth. So, and that's, how many yeah. issues for the for the whole thing? Five. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So Kieran and I, you know, wrote it together. We plotted it together. Um, so there, and it was kind of the, um, I think the best one of those kind of things I've done because I've done a lot of that, you know, plotting something with somebody and then you trade it off. And this was good in that there was a, you know, there's a lot of both of us in there and we're not, we're not all just writing our own stuff. You know, I think there's, we're each getting to write things that the other guy's jealous of which is good. And then we, we were kind of always trying to one up each other in terms of the abuse we would do to each other's characters. Um, we'd kind of, every time we'd hand off the story, we'd leave, you know, somebody in a pretty awful position. Like, here you go, figure that out. Uh, um, so it's been great. The, the whole process of, of uh, plotting it. I think we came up with the idea at a Brazilian steakhouse in uh, New York one night. Um, uh, so the, the whole thing has been a blast. Excellent. Is this the first time you guys have collaborated together like this? No, I mean, you know, Kieran and I were writing the two main X books at the same time. Uh, okay. Back in the day, you know, after Schism. And, yes. Um, and then... Oh, it feels like we've done other stuff together too. Remember, I was going to say, I forget. You know, we've, yeah, been in not... the, we've been in the room. We've been in the retreats together for for a long time. So is no the Star Wars stuff has to like kind of be its own retreat. Obviously, I mean that that doesn't come up at the big retreat, does it? Or do, is there just like a report no. of hey, this is what's happening at Star Wars? Yeah, yeah, some of that we never really talk about it in the room because it's um, yeah, it's a whole different thing. I mean, everything we do with that. Um, kind of runs through Lucasfilm, so it's the retreats we've done um, have been more us, you know, flying out to San Francisco to meet with him and talk about stuff. Um, okay. Uh, which that's been really cool, you know, and that's usually just the the story group who are kind of the the people who oversee everything. You know, they're involved with the movies and cartoons and novels and everything, and kind of making sure everything fits together. Um, so we just sit in the room with them and talk about what kind of books we want to do and where we want to take the stories. And, you know, I mean, it's exciting because it's kind of like being in the, on the ground floor of, you know, this whole sort of publishing enterprise starting up. I mean, you know, it feels like it's kind of its own little company within Marvel. Sure. Its own little universe of books. And so, you know, there's still talks of like, well, what parts of the timeline are we going to touch? Well, you know, where are we going to set books? Because coming out of the gate, you know, everything was linked together. Everything was happening, you know, in the, the around the same time. Um, then you had the the book that's coming out right now. I think the Shattered Empire, which uh, Greg Rucka's doing, which takes place after Jedi, and then they just announced the uh, an Anakin and Obi Wan book and. Um, so, you know, I think it's cool as you start to see, like, just all, all the different kind of places we can go uh, with, within the Star Wars timeline. You know, kind of the sky's the limit. Yeah, I'm looking forward to talking to Rucka about uh, the stuff that's leading up to Episode 7, definitely. And, uh, yeah, I was wondering that as well in terms of with all the current books, you know, where they're at between, you know, Episode 1 and, and, and 2 
um, how long you guys would like, you know, stay in that timeline and, you know, would would your book jump or would anybody else's book jump, you know, whatever. Uh, we'll see. Well, that, that is, you can tell you're a Star Trek guy, John, because it's, it's episodes see? four and five. <laughs> you're right. It's straight. That's it right. Straight. Yes, of course it's four. Yeah, it's the second. Yeah, I'm sorry. You're right. It is four and five. We're, not, man. we're not doing the Jar Jar Binks book yet. Yeah, I know. <laughs> No, you're right, but obviously I meant this the first you you know what I meant. You a new open empire, obviously. But I like it. No, you jam away, man. You're absolutely right. I have shame on me. Because everyone who's listening that wants Star Wars uh thing is like, okay, why'd they give the guy with the learner's permit like the hosting uh, gig for this? Can one of us take over, please? So is this enough for you in terms of like, you know, because you are doing so many other things. Um and obviously it's easier for a writer to do that, but are there other Star Wars books that you would like to do, or are you content doing, you know, the occasional event with Kiernan and or who or whomever that you know might cross over in the future? Um, well, I've definitely got enough. I'll say that I definitely can't write anything more than what I'm writing now. Understood. No matter what it is. Um, well, I mean, just in terms of Star Wars, you know, I mean, I. I, I feel like that we still have a lot of stories to tell within the time period we're in. Okay. You know, and I kind of want to tell all of them. I feel like once we move on, you know, you can't really turn around and go back. Um, so I kind of want to exhaust all the stories I want to tell with these characters at this particular point in time. And after that, who knows, you know? I mean, I'm, of course, none of us have seen the new movie yet, but... Uh, hopefully we all love it, and then I'm sure there's there'd be stuff I'd you know and want to write from from that time period, and that would be really exciting. But um, for now, I feel like we have plenty of big beats, uh, plenty of big moments to play with. Um, sure, you know where we are. No, that's great, man. I I uh, I honestly, like I said, it's uh, I I promise to both the listeners and you that. Before I speak to Jordan, I will uh, I will I will be fully caught up. And also, I, I, like I said, I, I got Rucka, and I've 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 got all the issues so far of Rucka's uh, book and everything leading up to Episode Seven. But uh, I'll uh, I, I, w- I want to be caught up, and, and truly, it's because of the great storytelling I've read so far that it's uh, it's very exciting and it's beautiful and uh, well written. So it's uh, congratulations on you know ten issues so far and uh, everything that's coming up. Well, thank you, thank you. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm just uh, having fun, you know, with everything I'm doing. Like I'm not doing anything where it feels like work. Everything uh, I'm still having a lot of fun with. That's great because it really is a bunch of different things, and I I want to I, I want to acknowledge Secret Wars because uh, first of all, Thor's dude is hilarious <laughs> in all the right ways. It really is, man. It is so much fun. And it is Hill Street Thor's, or Street you know, Thor's, right? you know, or NYPD <clears throat> Thor, <laughs> Uru. <laughs> but it's it was kind of the dude. I was going for homicide life on the street. Sort of, <laughs> for real, like if you, especially there's a whole issue, you know, where most of the issue is is uh, an interrogation scene. So that was the Loki issue, the, yeah. If you've seen Homicide Life on the Street, you know, the action scenes are when uh, <laughs> Bayless and Pimbleton would get somebody in the box, right? So, I mean, that was totally what I was trying to do. 
That's not, you see, I'm thinking Stephen Bochco, and you're doing David Simon, right? Isn't it right. who did well, it's, yeah, Simon I mean, do? Tom, Tom, Tom yeah. Fontana. Yeah, Simon wrote the book that it was based on, but I don't know. Oh, Fontana did involved the with the show, yeah, much like right out of the gate. I think he maybe started writing episodes as it went along, but it, it does feel like when you watch when you watch all those, you know, the David Simon universe of shows, it feels like kind of the the beginning <laughs> of that to me. Absolutely, man. No, it's and that's the thing. Like, it, it didn't really initially. It's like, oh, there really are different flavors of Thor that you really do have. Cap, police Captain Krusty Thor, and uh, <laughs> you've got Ultimate Thor and uh, and Beta Ray Bill and and uh, and of course Frog Thor and great uh, and Groot Thor. Is <laughs> that's terrific, man. And also just the victims so far too. I mean, God, you know, I the. Uh, so is there only, there is one more issue, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, I four. think, uh, yep, yep. Is four out this week, or is it out? Uh, is it out before, or is it out in November? Um, that's a good question. I don't know offhand. All right, as we're recording I can, this, unfortunately, I can just barely keep up with what I'm having to turn in, let alone when stuff's coming out. Well, and I can, yeah, I, and also I know that you know, with with uh, them, need, you know, Jonathan needing an extra issue, that that kind of put everything off schedule and and that, right? Um, which, hey, I I'm I'm cool. More more, you know, if if it's a good story, there it was tough, you know, much like uh, Civil War back in the day, just having those months when nothing was happening or weeks when nothing was happening. Sure, because I mean, I was, you know, I was kind of happy for those delays just because uh, I was busy and you know to be able to give. Uh, Chris Browse a little more time and Mike Del Mundo more time on, on Weird World. On Weird World, okay. Kind of worked I, out good for the stuff I was doing. Tell me about Sprouse, man. He's such a nice guy. Both he and his wife are lovely, and they were at uh, at uh, Tony Moore's uh, Cincinnati show again this year. Oh, yeah. So I got I got to talk to them a little bit. But uh, yeah, tell me uh, tell me about working with Sprouse for Thor's because he really is perfect for it. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, that was, you know, Will Moss, um, my editor, was the guy who put that together. So, of course, I was thrilled. I was a huge fan of, of Christmas stuff. And, when we, you know, we're thinking about this book and a book filled with dozens of different versions of Thor. Um, when he said Chris Browse, you know, you could just start to see the pages in your head already. Um, and you knew he would be the be perfect for something like this. So, yeah, I, I loved it. Um, but that, that was all Will. Well, he's he's going to make a lot of money on these pages, man, because even like, you know, uh, the Loki interrogation scene, all, a lot of those great alley, uh, you know, crime scene uh, shots and uh, just the squad room and everybody hanging out in the bar and everything. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 great. It really is. It's it's so fun. And also, um, as you know, Jane is kind of finding her way pre Secret War and everything. Um the, you know, there, there was, I mean, I don't know why, and I guess because we know Jane's backstory, so there is a bit of sadness, I think, as exciting as it is, as she's discovering her powers and, and coming onto her own, um, just knowing that, you know, her, she's got this kind of, you know, that it's killing her as well. It's, right. It's, dude, you're bumming me out a little bit. So. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> I mean, no, you know. that was, you know, that was kind of always the idea. That was always the story. That was always the part I was excited about. I mean, we, we kind of played with the mystery for a while of Thor, and I had a lot of fun with that. Yeah. But 
the mystery was never the story, you know, it was always sure. about Jane and about what her specific story was and what she was dealing with. And so I always liked that idea of the, the cancer patient as superhero, basically. Um, you know, I mean, that's her, that's her status quo right now is that, um, you know, we, we had established it before that she was dealing with breast cancer. Um, and that's still the case. And, you know, if anything, um, becoming poor is just making it worse. And that that's kind of gets spelled out in issue one of the new book. You know, it really is. It's killing her a little bit more every time she picks up the hammer and, and changes into Thor. Um, so I, I'm, that stuff to me kind of writes itself. You know, I mean, this image of the this frail, um, skinny woman who's going through chemotherapy who picks up the hammer and then transforms into this um, incredibly powerful superhero. Um, you know, I think there's some interesting stuff at play there. Um and yeah, that's that's her story. That's that's what we'll be expanding upon starting in Mighty Thor number one. That's great, man. And yeah, from a psychological standpoint, to feel alive as it's killing her, it has to be kind of an interesting psychological frame of mind to to play with. Absolutely. I mean, you know, kind of what I've always tried to do with Thor is to some. Um, to show how it's pretty awesome to be a god, you know, in the in the Marvel universe. I mean, you can do the stories that are they're dark and emotional, but I always like the idea of Thor being somebody who really loves waking up every day and getting to be Thor. You know, it's pretty awesome. Um, and Jane is that same way. She she's probably cherishing it even more because she doesn't know, you know, if she's going to be around tomorrow to do this again. Like this could could end any time. So. She is really loving it and living it up, um, you know, while, of course, hiding hiding what she's really going through from everybody. Um, nobody knows what's what's really going on with Thor. Um, so, yeah, I, I, again, I, I'm really fascinated by that part of it. Um, so it's, it's a fun book, but I think it's a book with a real solid emotional core to it. Um, we got a teaser image that uh, came out a couple weeks ago. Alex Ross uh, drew uh, Sam Wilson as Captain America kissing Jane Foster Thor. Right. Uh, and um, are we going to start to see the seeds of that planted in your book as well? I don't know what I can say about that. Um, you just have to wait and read that issue of Avengers, I'll just say. I mean, that's... Okay. But, you know, I, I talked to... Mark Wade a lot. We we talked the other day actually. So um yeah, it's kind of all part of the So this was his idea that that's part of his idea of, and his story. Uh so okay, so he had to talk to you obviously about it and you're you're cool with what you know, whatever he's got cooking. Yeah, I mean it kinda of, it came from one of the retreats, I believe. Kinda of came out of the room. Uh okay. initially. But I probably shouldn't say much more. Okay. All right. Read that's fair. Than read Mark's Avengers. Well, and he's another from guy Alabama. That's... He's a good guy, so you should read it. <laughs> you know, with uh, the snake handling that's going on in Southern Bastards, it made me remember Mark telling me that he was from that part of the country. Right. He's the, and he's he, the second he... best comic book writer from the state of Alabama. 
He's a solid number two. Number two with a bullet. There you go. <laughs> nice. Oh, man. And uh, so is it Thor's and Weird World as far as your Secret War stuff? Uh, yeah. Just those yeah. Two? Yep. There was no other ones? Okay. Well, Weird World. What the hell? Dude, again. But you. But again, this is like like you if if we could clone you um we would we would put you in a warren you could i suppose if you wanted to well you know if if we're able to you know there's plenty of dna in that beard i'm sure <laughs> to to populate all, a lot of uh, there's no telling what you'd clone if you pulled the planet pulled stuff out of that beard right <laughs> But I, you know, no, but you know, there would be like, uh, we'd send one of you to like a war in heavy metal world because you've already shown that with Thor. I always say that how much I loved, especially when you and Assad uh, started the book and the God killer arc and everything. It just really was like, you know, heavy metal kind of, or war in black and white, you know, uh, sword and sandal kind of, you know, crazy monster shit. Sure. And sure. and certainly Weird World is playing into that as well, man. Who's your artist on Weird World? Mike Del Mundo. Okay. Um, man. Who's amazing. The, yeah. Did a bunch of covers for Marvel, did Elektra, I think, right before this. And he's doing a new Weird World ongoing series. Uh, with Sam. With Sam Humphreys. Yeah. All right. So I talked to I've recorded a conversation with Sam already and it likely is already out. Um, and yeah, I was like, wait, I'm like, Jason's doing Weird World, right? And he's like, yeah, I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, uh, you know, I'll admit that Weird World wasn't one of my go to uh, side books. But then when I when I after I spoke to Sam and everything, I, I looked at I looked at him and that and it's no, it's crazy fun. You know, <laughs> like I said, it's Warren. Kind of heavy metal uh, fantasy kind of crazy shit. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, you know, I mean, that, to me, that was the cool thing about Secret Wars is it, it gave everybody the opportunity to, to do books like this that you're not normally going to get to do. You know, the opportunity hasn't come up a lot at Marvel for me to do a book like Weird World. So the Secret Wars, we were actually encouraged to do, um, you know, off-the-wall books. So... Uh, I kind of got lucky in the two books that I did, the Thors, you know, that was that was really Hickman's idea. The, Jonathan, as a part of Secret Wars, you know, knew he wanted the Thors to be this, the police force and said, you know, somebody should do a book called Thors. And so I said, well, I, I, I'll do that. <laughs> I already write a bunch of Thors. Um, <laughs> and then uh, Tom Brevoort, um had an idea for Weird, Weird World. He, he knew he wanted to create, um, you know, this new oddball corner of the Marvel Universe or create it in Secret Wars and then bring it to the Marvel Universe after Secret Wars and be a place where you could kind of throw together all sorts of of um, weird fantasy and uh, sword and sorcery kind of characters from throughout uh, Marvel history, characters that didn't really fit anywhere else. So Tom mentioned that in the retreat one time and, and, you know, I said, I, I really like to do that. Um, so I kind of, you know, lucked into both of those and, um, Weird World was great. And then Tom kind of early on literally sent me this list of like, here's all the, the weird wizards and barbarians from throughout Marvel history. Some of them never heard of like guys who appeared one or two times. It's a long list. Um, 
and I was like, wow, I don't know what the hell I'm going to do with all this. And there's, there's Tom, again, Tom's idea to use Archon is kind of the, the Conan of the story, uh, which I help me out on Archon. He was Archon. He was an Avengers villain mostly. Like he was the guy with the quiver full of lightning bolts. Um, he, yeah, he fought the Avengers, fought the X Men one time in a Perez drawn annual. Okay. Um, he had his, his own little other dimensional barbarian um, city called Polymachus. So he was like a interdimensional warlord. Um, so it was Tom's idea to make him the main guy. And so he sent me this list with all these crazy characters. And, um, and then he followed that up with an email and said, oh, also, um, they're the Crystal Crystal Warrior characters. And I was like, shit, why didn't you lead with that? Like, of course I'm going to use those guys. Okay. <laughs> You know, I've still got those toys around here somewhere. I had no idea Marvel, um, you know, had the rights to those. So I knew right away I was going to put some Crystal Warriors in there. Hilarious. Um, so yeah, it was fun just to get to write all this just kind of weird stuff. Um, and then just give it all to Mike, and Mike would turn in these, you know, incredibly gorgeous pages. Um, oh, yeah, man. No, this is your Edgar Rice Burroughs kind of, you know, or Robert Howard crazy stuff. I mean, it weird world app, aptly named weird world. I didn't remember that that was a existing Marvel title back then. Or if it was, was that like, was it uh Craven was kill or kill, kill Raven was kill Raven. In no, weird world? no, that was a different thing. Weird world was, was it John it Carter? Was, no, it was like pretty much just, um, uh, uh, Lord of the Rings riff. Like it was elves. Oh, okay. On a quest. Um, it was, who was on a quest? Elves, a bunch of elves. Oh, just regular elves? Okay. Yep. So it was, um, it appeared in one of their magazines, one of the Marvel magazines, and then it was like an issue of Marvel Premiere, and, and that was mm-hmm. kind of it. You know, just okay. stories here and there. I think um, Mike Plug drew, drew some of it. Um, yes, okay, that makes more sense. And I was thinking that it probably was maybe Marvel's like idea of like when ElfQuest, when, when Wendy Penny was doing uh, ElfQuest and stuff like that. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, it was in. The, I mean, it started in the seventies. Makes sense. Yeah, especially Luke was. I mean, it's like maybe four issues, you know, all together, and it was pretty mm-hmm. much just straight kind of elves and dark wizards, and there was an elf for. I think it was an elf. There's a character called Mudbutt. I remember that. <laughs> I did get some people on Twitter who were disappointed that that the new Mud-Butt. weird world did not include Mudbutt. So how did Morgan Le Fay uh, figure into it? Uh, well, again, yeah, I just needed a bad guy, right? And um, she's great, right? I, I, we, I think Tom and I both would have really loved to have used the. Um, I can't remember his name now. Who there was that wizard character who was part of Conan's universe who also fought the X Men sometimes. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, what the hell his name was? He was like, you know, right. he would have been probably the first choice because he was the guy who kind of already straddled those worlds. But Morgan Le Fay was, you know, kind of fit the bill too. So um, again, it was you know I wanted to create this sort of mad witch's brew of of characters who would would work in that that kind of story. But also, you know, I mean, 
to me, the cool thing about Weird World is that it's not just a sword and sorcery kind of place and that, um, you know, we mix in modern day elements too. So kind of right, you know, in the first issue, Archon gets attacked by these, these ogres, but they're, they're riding a giant tank. So yeah, we want it to be the kind of place where you could do kind of any genre story you want. So if you take any of your favorite, you know, B movies from the seventies, you could do any one of those in this land. You know, it's not just Conan. Um, you can do Planet of the Apes, you can do Road Warrior and do a lot of different stuff. True. And you know, that Sam and I were talking, of course, Zardoz comes to mind. And he was like, I, I think for his run, that's that's kind of where his inspiration, he said, is coming from. Or at least he was just like gushing about how much he loves Zardoz when that's I mentioned awesome. it. Yeah. That's awesome. So, yeah, again, you know, without Secret Wars, we wouldn't have something like that. Um, so Sure. That's, that's why I've, I've had a lot of fun with the, the two Secret Wars things that I got to do. I can appreciate that. And I hope that... Uh... I, you know, I mean, the economics for keeping something like this is different at Marvel than if you were to, you know, have a creator-owned thing. You, in fact, as we get to the goddamned, uh, you know, which is, uh, you know, a biblical story. But there's a, you know, I don't know. There seems to be a kinship there because of yeah. what, you know, the the, the legions of, of the hordes that uh, your hero is facing or your main character I don't know how much you give away in terms. I mean, we know it's a biblical story. I don't know how much you've actually expressed in terms of what the you know your root your root story is coming from. Well, from the Bible. Yeah, I've heard of that. Now that I read, Star Trek was better. But but (laughs) all right, you said that. I mean, I did. I'll stand by that. Come on, bring it on. (laughs) Gene Roddenberry (laughs) is a better writer than God. John <laughs> well, it wasn't God. Now, come on, the guys who wrote the Bible, you know, they were like the, like at best, even at best, and this is meant as a compliment, like the Roger Stearns of the you know Roger by the time Stern. they that that it got to them, wouldn't you say? Because it's not, it's not like you know, well, I you know, well, because I guess well, each book was written by you know the the various uh, you know uh, disciples and all, I suppose. But I don't know who actually, you know, who wrote the the New Testaments and all that stuff, right? I don't know. I don't know. You're digging your own grave here, John. Yeah. <laughs> I'm showing. I'm you're showing that my biblical knowledge is as good Roger as my Stern Star Wars knowledge. All at the same time. How did you manage yeah, to do that? Roger Stern couldn't write the Bible. Fuck you, John. <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right. Anyway, let me dig myself out of this and get back to it. No, have you have you said who your main character is in any solicitations beyond that? It is obviously based in, in the roots of yeah, uh, of the Bible. I have some. Okay. Stuff. Like, so I don't, if you don't know, you don't need to know. Like, um, well, I think it's just that much more interesting that it is the, it's the story of Cain. Right. Right. Um, yeah. Yes, Cain's the main character for the first. Uh, arc. We we meet another big character at the end of the first issue, so we can keep that one secret. So you'll have mm-hmm. to wait and read and see. Um, so yeah, I mean, Kane's interesting as the guy who's you know the for, first child born on the earth, um, son of Adam and Eve, firstborn son of Adam and Eve, um, and as the guy who invented murder. He was the first person who ever got so mad that he killed somebody else. Um, yep. When our, when our story starts, it's a it's 
1,600 years um, after the expulsion from Eden. So in those 1,600 years, you know, we've gone from Cain being the first person to, to do this horrible act to the point where that murder is really caught on. You know, it's kind of swept the nation and that everything's <laughs> really gone to hell. You know, it took, just took yes. 1,600 years to go from... You know, even once you get kicked out of paradise, it's it's still a pretty sweet deal, right? So you got this beautiful, untouched, immaculate earth all to yourself. Um, sixteen hundred years later, what we see is just a desert full of bones and you know rivers full of blood and shit, and it's just an awful, miserable, horrible place where um, you know everybody's still pretty much a primitive caveman. And they're all killing each other with with rocks and sharpened sticks. Um, so that sounds like the perfect setting for me for for a, for a comic book. Actually, though, you can see the lines to Southern Bastards and Scalped because you were always dealing with these kind of base emotions in these modern characters that you've created. You and and Gera and and uh, and Jason um, Latour, but uh, now you really get to the root of you know these original, literally these original sinners. Well, you know, or sure. uh, I guess the second sinner, technically. Sure. <laughs> but yeah, you know, so so right. yeah. Um, I mean, I think this book is kind of a culmination of a lot of things I've been interested in over the course of my entire career. I mean, I just religion and faith in general. I think you can see cropping up in a lot of stuff I've done. And I've, I've always mm-hmm. kind of wanted to do a book um, about the Bible, using the Bible as a setting. Um, a character like Cain, you know, is, is kind of character I've written a lot of. It's, this guy is very tortured and very flawed. And, you know, he looks around at the state of the world and feels like, well, this is in large part my fault, right? Because, you know, he was the literally the guy who invented murder. Um, yep. And his curse is that he's still around, that he can't die. So he has to wonder and watch um, as all this f- falls apart. <clears throat> um, so then, yeah, I think this is kind of the perfect setting for the kind of stories I like to do, um, you know, including crime stories like Scalped and Southern Bastards. And, and this also kicks off a few other things, which I, I really wanted to do a caveman adventure story because I love those, you know, books like Tor, uh, Joe Kubert's Tor. Oh, yeah. Yes. Um, you know, we don't we don't really get those anymore. Nobody really does caveman comics anymore. So I love that. I really wanted to do that. I really wanted to do like a, you know, a Sergio Corbucci version of a caveman comic, like a Italian Western from the 1960s, but of cavemen. Um, I understand. Absolutely. And, you know, and just the idea of Gara drawing um, naked guys armed with rocks and sticks <laughs> makes me incredibly happy. Um, was was he on right away? Did he need any convincing? Or oh, no. He... No, he was down yep, right from the get-go. I mean, we, we kind of started talking uh, even before Scouts had wrapped up. We, we knew we wanted to work together and do something else. Um, he had a couple other things, you know, he wanted to do. He went and did um, Django. Did Django, yeah, did did uh, a few other things. Um, so we were talking all that time. And we just, I, I knew I wanted us to do something very different. I didn't want to do another crime book. 
I wanted to do something that was seemed surprising. Um, and I had that idea, the idea for this, this Bible story that I, I've been working on or kind of had in my back pocket for like 10 years. I, I first pitched it to Vertigo when I pitched Scalped. Um, so, and it's kind of the, still the same story. I mean, some things have changed and shuffled around, the name changed, but it's kind of still the same thing I wanted to do back then. So, um, we had, we talked about, Gary and I talked about a couple of other things before I, I you know, I kind of remembered that one and dug it up and said, how about this? And yeah, he was down from the get go. And, and then I think the, the stuff he's been doing on it, um, it's like a whole other level, you know, I mean, he and I, I think found a really good groove on Scalped, but Gary's a guy who couldn't draw anything. You know, he's done Westerns, all sorts of historical dramas, uh, during his time, um, doing comics in, in Europe. So uh, I think you really see him getting the cut loose on this. There are a lot of two, the, or double page splashes and yes. big spreads and kind of the setting and the landscape is a big part of the story. So, um, yeah, he's the absolutely perfect guy to draw this. I love when the European artists, it seems, and, and maybe this, maybe the South African or South American, I should say, artists do this as well. But I love when they know they've got such a beautiful panel or page that they they sign them and put their initials on them or they sign them or whatever. Oh, yeah. ben, yeah. you, you know, and that's that's great. I because I mean, you know, it it almost like cements as you're looking at it and going, God, this is a beautiful money shot. Like, and I, you know, I mean that in the best way. And it's like, oh yes, it is. There you go. He thinks so too. That's fantastic. Yeah, Gary does that a lot. Gary will will sign my name on there too, if you notice. I thought I saw you like your name on there too. So no, that's great, man. And it it really, I can see this selling uh, to a worldwide audience because it is such a universal story. And um, you know, I mean, well, and beyond beyond the Old Testament, is there other um, sources? of biblical history that you are looking at for story inspiration or, I mean, and, and how much really as like a, as a hobby or, or as, you know, maybe in, within your own religious beliefs as well, have you really poured over the Bible to, to kind of come up with this stuff? Well, you know, I've, I've kind of always talked about my background and growing up in the South and grew up in the Southern Baptist church. So I, I grew up with the Bible, um, and I don't have the faith part of the equation anymore, but I've always remained fascinated by the story part of it. Sure. Um, so, yeah, I mean, with this, you know, it wasn't something I had to start kind of from ground zero in terms of researching. And it's also something where we're, you know, we're not sticking exactly to the story as you learned it in Sunday school, you know. Um, we're, yes. We're taking some liberties. and um, But, but in my mind, staying true to the core idea, which the, you know, the idea is this was a point in time. This was a world that was so completely out of control that God, you know, looked down and said, well, fuck this. I'm just going to kill everybody and start over. You know, we, <laughs> yeah, man was a huge mistake. Like something went horribly wrong and we just need to kill all these people. So, I mean, that's the idea. That's kind of what we start with in this, this world is so fresh and young, you know, humanity is so fresh and young, but, and the presence of God is so real in that, you know, the people we meet in the story, they don't, they don't sit around and wonder 
you know, is there a God? Like they, they know, you know, he's, he's a very real presence. Um, and then you still have people who reject him pretty much to his face, maybe literally to his face. So, um, Oh, that should be that interesting. pretty right. fascinating. And that, that's kind of what we start with. And we kind of go from there and, um, rethink some of the, the characters and the, the stories that we know. So, you know, the, the kind of the two main characters of this first arc are a big uh, example of that. And then from arc to arc, you know, we'll do something completely different. So the second arc is um, completely different characters, different story, just set within that same world. And um, as we go on, you, you know, you'll see some characters reappear. You'll see how stories fit together in different ways. It's kind of, I keep referencing, uh, referencing um, Brubaker's Criminal. Um, that's kind of what we're doing and just um, stories that, that all take place within this same um, pre-flood setting yes okay is um, to sell this book to stores was that because <laughs> of the fact that it, it yeah because of the fact that it is rooted in, in you know biblical legend um, you know is that is that a challenge in itself well, I mean, not as far as I know. I mean, I guess you'd have to ask stores, but um, I mean, nobody's better than I so far. Sorry. Yeah. Well, how much did you do? Yeah. Okay. But uh, how how much actual uh, hand selling? Yeah. I mean, this is something that I've talked about recently with Kelly Sue and Humphreys, for that matter, too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, on on a you know, I don't know what level of controversy, if any, yet. Because it technically, obviously, it hasn't come out yet. Right. But you know, I, I, in terms of, I mean, you know, you're 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 dealing with some, you know, there, there's there's usually somebody that's got an issue. Maybe like when when a podcaster refers to someone that might have written the Bible as Roger Stern, that that might cause a problem. <laughs> you know, don't want me into your controversy, John. <laughs> Fred Hembeck destroys the Bible. <laughs> there's a book. That would be awesome. Uh-huh. We gotta, I gotta, I gotta tell Hembeck that on Facebook. All right, get the get the squiggles for the knees ready. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, as far as I know, everything's cool so far. Um, you know, I wasn't sure what Image would think about the title. That wasn't the original title. It was actually Jason Latour who suggested I punch up the title a little bit. Um, Interesting. What was it going to be? Can you say? Do what? What was the original title title going to be? Before the Flood, which is actually the title of the first arc, which kind of sums up what the book is about. It's just not a very sexy title. Okay. Um, so initially, the the, the the titles are kind of flip flop. You know, the book was called Before the Flood, and the the first arc was called God Dams, and we we kind of flipped that around. Okay. Both became the God Damned, and the first arc became Before the Flood. So I wasn't sure what image would think when I. You know, I emailed them and told them, hey, we think we want to call the book The Goddamned. And um, they're so, okay. <laughs> uh, nobody batted than I, you know. I mean, maybe there are stores who won't order it because of the title. But, um, I mean, we're not trying to pull the wool over anybody's eyes. If we called the book something else, the insides are still the same. And the, you know, the inside of the book is very in your face and it kind of pulls no punches terms of what it is so um you know i, I think um i don't know it'd, it'd be interesting to see the response to it i'm sure there's some people who would hate it but um 
you know, these days, everything I do, there's somebody who hates it. That's never a reason to not do something, you know? <laughs> I don't know if that's true. I, well, I'm sure you, you, you know your own uh, responses, I guess. Oh, I think that's, I think you, you know, if, if there's not people, out, if there aren't people out there who hate you, who think you're the worst writer in comics, then you're probably not, you're doing something wrong. You're probably, you're probably, I hear you, man. You're probably, you know, not, not many people are reading your book. Like, I think it's really important the first time you, as a writer, you encounter people who think you're terrible, you know? It's a, you have to have it. I mean, any, any writer I admire in comics, there are people out there who hate their stuff, you know? Plenty of people who, who, who hate Grant Morrison. So, you know, say, hate Grant Morrison, then... I'm happy to have somebody hate me too. That's good company to be in. <laughs> and you know, you can't you can't please everybody. And certainly, a book like like this, like The Goddamned, is not meant for everybody. Um, but it's a book I respond to. It's a book I wanted to read. I wanted to be a part of. And I think it will find its audience. There'll be people who who respond to it as well. In terms of how big that audience is, who knows? I don't really worry about that either. You know, I just. I kind of just like doing the thing, and I don't like everything that comes after that. I'm not good at the at the hand selling. I'm not good at um, kind of talking about what the book is or telling you why you should read it. I'm not good at um, selling myself. I just kind of like doing the thing, you know, and then throw the thing out there and see what people think about it. Um, hopefully they like it, but... Even if they don't, I'm already working on the next thing, you know. The next arc of of this, or of or the next idea, or well, both. Obviously. Yeah, both. I mean, uh, I mean, I'm pretty full up in terms of schedule right now. I mean, the the three Marvel books I'm doing and the the two creator own. That's that's all I've got going on for the foreseeable future. And, you know, and then there's also a Southern Bastards TV show we're working on. So. Which is fantastic, by the way. That's that's very exciting news. Thanks, thanks. Uh, yeah, so I'm, I am absolutely. full up. Like I am not, I'm not looking to take on any more, you know, projects. I understand. So, did, did I miss a Marvel book? It's Thor. Um, it's uh, Star Wars it's, and Doctor Strange. Just oh, of course, yeah. Oh, dude, my man. God, I had shame on me. I was going to forget about Doctor Strange. But uh, wait, I, to to wrap up on the goddamn, I've read that first issue. It is excellent, and as we said, um, you can see ties to Weird World. I think um, the characters are very modern in their in their. You know, I mean, you, you've made you've made human beings. I mean, that's the thing. So I don't think people should uh, fear this in any in any way, as far as the goddamn goes, and not uh, be you know. I, I would you know I would say if you if you've loved you know what what you and Garrett did on Scalped. Um, that I think people will, will will find it amazing, and also just of late, like I said, Weird World and um, some of the ideas in Thor. I think can, can you know I would say if you're a fan of that stuff, definitely try the goddamn because it's uh, it's great. No, it's terrific, and it's yeah. yeah no, I mean, it, it really nothing else. I am fairly confident in saying that there's there's not another book quite like this one on the stands today. You know, love it or hate it. That's you're not true. Gonna, you're not going to see anything else that's quite like this. I think it's pretty unique. But it has great action, and and you understand the characters' motivations right away in this first arc. And as you say, there's a surprise at the end 
of another recognizable character that will, you know, I think I, I look forward to whatever conflict <laughs> comes between these these main powerhouses. There's a lot of nudity, a lot of male nudity. There is a lot of crank in there, absolutely. And I'm not talking <laughs> about Chris Crank, our friend the letterer, no. Lots of crank. Yep, whole lot. It's a biblical crank. Yep, yes, there is. <laughs> but that's that's great, though, honestly, Jason, in, in that um, I, I really, I love this current era of comics. And I'm impressed with when the big two kind of bend the the rules enough that that we get interesting stories and also um you know uh when you guys at, at you know through image or some of the other publishers can really stretch the limits and this is one of these books that if you are looking for a book that there are no it looks like there are no boundaries right up through the fact that your title is a curse word i mean you know <laughs> technically mm-hmm. so i mean that's you know that's terrific and it and it and yeah lots of lots of cock and then not in a, not in any other than the fact that of the time period that yeah sorry this is before close so yeah there's a lot of people running around pretty much naked right. yeah I mean I think it's it's an adult know, book so it's, it's okay to realize that every book doesn't have to appeal to everybody right yes um, and I think we've we've really gotten better at that in comics about doing books that appeal to a broader range of people and you know not everybody has to like that that Iron Man book or that that zombie book or this book or that book, um, which, you know, sounds like a really obvious idea, but I think in comics for so long, you know, one person could read everything, right? Like it all kind of appealed to the same audience, um, certainly as a kid. Well, and it had to. Yeah, I was going to say it had to because it had to for kids and everything, definitely. Right. But, I mean, you know, me growing up, like the, the, there weren't a whole lot of books comics that I was just like, eh, you know, that's not my thing. Like, I was kind of, I, I was the target audience for all of them. So it's nice to not feel like that anymore. And I still, like, read a lot of different stuff. I think it's great. But if you don't, you don't. That's cool. And it's okay. Like, that book's not for you. And there's, you can look around in comics and find something that is for you these days. I think you've got a, a nice, rich, diverse mix of, of books with you know, inside and outside the mainstream in comics right now. No, I completely agree. I'm uh I, I've picked up and am thumbing through Doctor Strange, uh which uh no, it's it's it was a great first issue and um who's your artist again? Because I'm looking Pacello, at it digitally. Yeah. yeah, it is it's Pacello. Okay, excellent, yes. <clears throat> Dude. Um, yeah, so like well, tell me about like what made you want to do a Doctor Strange book. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know what it was. It was maybe that um, the Marvel, the Untold Story book. Who who wrote that? Was that Sean Howe? Was that his name? Yes. Um, yeah. I, I believe I was reading that. You know, and a lot of that's about the '70s stuff about Inglehart. And, yes. And uh, my favorite run, obviously, and, nope. and those guys. Yeah. And I had met Inglehart at a show in in Spain one time and got to talk with him a little bit. He was a super nice guy. So I think kind of reading that, coming out of that, um, I just started thinking for the first time, uh, you know, I'd really like to tackle Doctor Strange someday. And it was literally like right at that same time, like the same week I thought that, I saw an interview where Kevin Feige mentioned Doctor Strange. So I knew... Like, well, we're probably going to be doing a Doctor Strange comic pretty soon if they're going to do a movie. So I called Axel and 
threw my name in the hat. Um, and that was a few years ago. I mean, it, it kind of took a while. You're sort of waiting for the right time to do it. Um, and so coming after Secret Wars, it was kind of it was kind of my last chance. Like I knew if I didn't grab the thing, I was going to lose it, and somebody else was was going to do it. So I, I jumped on it. I, I knew I wanted Chris to draw it from the get go. Um, he was really the only artist I ever thought about, and so thankfully his schedule lined up. And yeah, here we are. So how much is there any sort? Because right now, where where Secret Wars is, you know, obviously in, in Doom's reality, Stephen is dead. Is there an explanation? That you know, I mean, is is there some sort of explanation in Secret Wars without going into detail that uh, you know allows us to be where we're at in this first issue beyond the obvious of something is going to happen that will create this new six one six world or whatever its designation is? Uh, yeah, and I mean, you just have to you'll have to read Secret Wars to get all the answers to that. Um, I mean, all of this stuff that comes after is, I think, a pretty fresh start. Um, so yeah, I'd say look to look to Secret Wars for for those answers. Okay, and the first issue too. You've got you know a lot of the other mystical people are at the uh, is it the bar with no doors? Yes, yep, or magical tiki bar. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, like, will we see them uh, as as regulars in the series as well? You've got. Well, the, the issues out, so I can say that it's. You see a lot of people. You see, uh, uh-huh. you see Scarlet Witch. You see Doctor Voodoo is there, and um, Shaman. Yeah. Shaman is there, and yeah. and uh, what's his face I'm with the hat? Yeah, the old Monaco. guy is Monaco, the Prince of Magic, who's one of those. Um, I don't know what era he was from. He was just an you know an old top hat wearing magician from Marvel's past. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah, he 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 seemed kind of Silver Age familiar, mm-hmm. and I wasn't sure. I don't know if he's Silver Age or earlier than that. I forget. But guys, um, yeah, I haven't seen too. much of it all, you know, over the years. And then you can't really, you can barely tell in this the first image of the bar. But that's the there's a floating head at the bar. That's the bartender, which is Chandu, um, the floating head. In the, oh, that's fantastic. So, and of course, Sean Do the Magician. That's uh, Stan Lee's uh, one of his great uh, inspirations as a kid. Well, there you go. Um, <laughs> is that was that uh, is that you are thinking and in including Sean Do? Well, that's a character, John Do the Mystic. I think that's what he was called. Oh, I'm, excuse me. I thought, guy, Sean, yeah. I thought it was Sean Do. Oh, I don't know who Sean Do is. Yeah, Sean Do. Sean Do. Is the, that a Star yeah. Trek villain? Yeah. <laughs> Shandu was an old radio uh, mystic, radio advent, you know, adventure series, and also pretty sure, if not like movie serials, that like early '30s they made some sort of foreign intrigue, you know, mystic movie with Shandu the magician. But I know that like Stan had had talked about how Shandu was one of his great inspirations behind. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of Doctor Strange's incantations and a lot of the flavor of Doctor Strange. So there you go. yeah, I knew that. I that's that's totally what I was thinking. <laughs> I knew all that. 
And uh, and tell me about uh, the Doctor's new apprentice, apprentice, who I'm sure we'll learn more about in this first arc and beyond. Well, the, 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 well, he does have a new apprentice. Like, we do see a new character pop up at the end. Of, Selva? A, a young lady who's got, um, uh, you know, something weird wrong with her, which is kind of set up that, you know, um, sometimes you get a really weird problem that nobody can help you with except Doctor Strange, and you got to either figure, figure out a way to call him or show up on his doorstep in the village. Um, so this is a young lady with a with a weird problem um, who needs his help. So yeah, she's a character we'll see again, but we're not we're not replacing Wong. Wong shows up in issue two. I was going to ask. Okay, all right, good. Still be yeah, I miss Wong absolutely. Yeah, issue two is Leave pretty cool. It's it's um, we wanted to do an issue that's in, set entirely in the in the sanctum, so it's very much about Strange's house. Uh, Excellent. Kind of talk about the history of the house, and we get you know a little bit of a tour through different parts of the house, and um, you know the last thing Chris and I did together was Wolverine and the X Men, and we with that we had a lot of fun setting up the Jean Grey school and making it you know like a the X-Men version of Hogwarts, making it just the weirdest, craziest school we can imagine. So with this, you know, we wanted to try to outdo that. So, um, you know, the Sanctum Sanctorum should really be the, literally the weirdest place in the Marvel Universe. Maybe the last truly weird place left in the Marvel Universe. Um, so issue two, we, we dive into that. Well, and I like how uh, Bachalo's, uh, you know, when, when we get him doing uh, other dimensional stuff or some of the demons and uh, the the type of things that, that the doc has to kind of deal with and stuff. It has its own distinct style, just as Gene Colan did, just as Ditko did. It's right. not a callback to a Ditko sort of Doctor Strange otherworld or netherworld, you know. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, Ditko's kind of designs were so you know, distinct and unique. Um, yeah, then Chris brings a whole lot of himself definitely to this book. Like, it was the, there's the bit where Strange is kind of using his cape as kind of a staircase, and then it turns into a scarf around his neck. That was all Chris. That's cool. Yep. He really wanted to make his, his cloak kind of feel alive. Um, but yeah, we kind of with this first issue, we wanted to get across that this is a book that will go a lot of different places. So we see Strange walking through this weird otherworldly landscape, and then we see what it's like when he walks down a crowded street in New York City. Um, you know, he still he sees the world around him in a very different way from everybody else. So we get, you know, this big spread of, we call it Strange Vision, where um, kind of the Strange's little third eye pops up on his forehead and uh, the real world fades into black and white, and we see um, everything that Strange sees popping out in color. Um, <laughs> you know, he sees the things in the shadows that, that regular people can't see and wouldn't want to see. Um, so that, that'll be something we play with going forward, too. Issue 3 is actually a big chunk of that. It takes place in, uh, in Strange Vision. Um, you know, in a very different kind of view of the, the world around us. Will we see many other Marvel heroes? I mean, we've got the mystics that you, that we see in issue one, but I even wonder specifically, because I haven't mentioned him yet, I meant to when we were talking about Thor, 
what uh, what the Odin son is doing mm-hmm. while while Jane's dealing with her stuff. And I and I wondered if I I can't remember Thor and and Steven really doing much together and and seeing them together that much. Well, that's a good question. Uh, in terms of Strange, yeah, we we will see um, more mystics. I mean, I you know I, I kind of wanted to look at this book as the flagship book for a whole corner of the Marvel Universe, right? Kind of like Guardians sure. of the Galaxy was the flagship book for the cosmic yes. part of the Marvel U. I wanted this to be that for the the mystic the side. So yeah, yeah. Um, you know, we, we get a glimpse of some of those characters in issue one. We'll see that bar again. We'll see those characters. We'll see more characters. Uh, some some we know, some that are new. Um, and really the whole thing with this first arc is we're building towards um, this new menace showing up. Um, and when that happens, um, you know, all of magic will be under threat, not just... Um, strange like he he's the sorcerer supreme he's the guy at the the head of the pack but uh everybody's going to be in trouble when that happens so so yeah we'll definitely see more of those characters in, in terms of the odin son um you have to wait i guess till till mighty thor number one to, uh, for mention to see him. his status quo yeah to kind of find out what's going on with him um you know, if you see if you saw Russell's big uh, fold-out cover for issue one's beautiful um, illustration he did with you know tons of different characters on it, Odin's side is on there, kind of front and center. So, um, you know, he he he'll be a part of things, but in terms of where he's at right now, um, that's one of the questions of Thor number one. Okay. I look forward to it. Now, honestly, dude, from day one of introducing, uh, I don't like calling her Lady Thor. I like calling her Jane Foster. Yeah, <laughs> you well, know, she's Thor. Just Thor. I mean, right now she's yeah, she is Thor. Thor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're right. She is Thor. Says, yeah. You're right. No, hey, man. And and honestly, kudos for you guys because I read a few people when Secret Wars started uh, get upset and be like women that were very happy that Thor was finally a woman, but, oh, great, now we're going to lose Thor. And it's like, no, no. <laughs> no, clearly not. And and truly, obviously, with what's going on in Mark's Avengers book and, um, yeah, what you've laid out and everything, no, there's still lots to tell with, uh, with uh, Thor. But, yeah, uh, yeah. yes, well, you know, but by the same token, because everyone that complained, especially uh, people that have uh, cable news sh- uh, shows, um, what they didn't realize was that the Odin son's right there having his own issues. And then it's something we've, we've discussed, you know, uh, since you started uh, Thor's new direction and, and this new Thor. Uh, but that's what makes it intriguing is what, what is the Odin son when he is not Thor? Right. What, what, you know, who is he, who is he if he is not this thing that he has been since time began? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I've said all along, it wasn't about ending his story. You know, or casting him aside. It's about giving him a different story, a very different challenge. You know, and when you've got this this guy who literally wakes up every morning and you know uh, looks at that hammer and, and doesn't know if he's if he's going to be worthy again today when he picks it up. You know, at some point you want to have him not be able to pick it up. Um, so I, I like putting him on that path, and we'll, there's still a lot of story to be told with him. 
Um, and yeah, of course, I'm, as I said, really excited about the chance to, to, to put somebody else in that role and not just anybody, but to tell a very specific story with Jane Foster and a story, the roots of which it should be obvious, go back to the very first appearances of Thor in the Marvel universe. You know, the first Thor story was this uh, crippled doctor wanders into a cave and um, finds a magic hammer, and when he picks it up, he's transformed into Thor. Um, what we're doing is the is a, the fulfillment of that promise of that inscription on the hammer, um, and we're doing it with Jane Foster, somebody who's been a part of of this story almost from the very beginning. Um, that that all to me is still really exciting. You know, I'm as excited about this book now as I was when we did those previous eight issues. Um, I love writing Thor. I've loved every bit of it along the way. Uh, and I feel like I got a long way to go. Like this is the book, you know, I've always said they're going to have to pry this one out of my cold dead hands. Um, <laughs> you know, by the, by the time I'm done, I want to have a shelf of, of uh, Thor omnibuses, you know, lined up on it. Cause I, I mean, I got, a, I got so many stories I want to tell. It's not me just, you know, about finding a groove and knowing, like, well, I can kind of hack this out for a while and make some money. It's So I love this character. I love this world. And I got a whole bunch of stories I want to tell. Um, it all fits together. I mean, by the time I'm done, whenever that is, hopefully many issues from now, you'll be able to look at it going back to my very first issue, you know, from first to last. And and see there was all one big story that everything kind of fit together. Every story had its place within that. All the different versions of Thor, um, they're all part of the same big story. Well, I, I kind of suspected that. And I'm sure, I mean, the, the great moment when you had Thor's granddaughters looking at his life history book and their eyes get big. And I'm assuming that's what we're reading right now. In particular, and and obviously, you know, again, who knows when that that story ends. But, yeah, that it's like, oh, my God, I never, you know, we didn't know about this. And, you know, we can put ourselves in their in their place. So we'll see all those characters again, too. The the granddaughters, the old King Thor from the future, uh, young Thor. We're actually doing a young Thor story. Um, Oh, a young Thor encounter, uh, Jane? Uh, no, I'm not saying that just yet, but another flashback story of young, you know, the, the Thor of the Viking age, basically we're doing, okay. we're doing one of those right after this first arc of the mighty Thor. Okay. Um, that's, oh, wow. Oh, so, so after the first, uh, Jane arc, the yeah. next arc will be about Viking Thor. It's not a, it's not a, like a full five issue arc. It's a two issue story. Okay. Um, but just kind of, you know, like with God of Thunder, we did sort of like I'm doing with Obi-Wan issues in Star Wars, you know, kind of sure, between, sure. between the arcs, we would do um, flashback stories, yeah, with young Thor. Um, we're doing have you announced who, who, have you announced who your artist is going to be for that? I'm assuming you know that's what? also to keep No, I don't think we've announced any of that yet. Okay. Okay. And I assume that's to help an artist stay on schedule, too. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think we're double shipping like crazy on that book. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, Russell, you can tell, pours a lot of detail in his pages. His pages are just mind-blowing at times. So, yeah, I don't think you can draw 
you know, 12 or 14 issues, whatever, however many we'll be doing a year. Okay. But yeah, Russell, um, Russell is not going anywhere. I mean, I was really happy to be able to keep him and Matt Wilson together from the, the previous volume because I loved what, what those yeah. guys did. Um, yeah, Russell, to me, was really a revelation, just really gorgeous work. And he's so he's really super passionate, has a lot of ideas. His, his sort of his character designs, his character ideas are really amazing. Sometimes I'll write, you know, a, a character I don't really have much in mind for, and then I'll see Russell what he what he did with them, how he drew them, and I'm like, damn, we gotta we gotta use that character a lot more. That looks amazing. Um, so I think he's been the perfect fit for the buck, and him and Matt make a make a pretty top notch team. So I was really happy we were able to keep them together. But I, I mean, I'm kind of spoiled right now. Like Scott Young makes fun of me of just how spoiled I am in terms of artists. Like I'm getting to work with a pretty amazing group of people and have been for a while. You know, I got yeah. no complaints um, about the, the artists I'm getting to work with. They all make me look like I know what the hell I'm doing. Except for Latour. He's the only one I get to carry. <laughs> I like, well, I'm going to have to put more words on this page. That's cool. Before we get to Southern Bastards, regarding because what you said is true and it's and it shows in terms of the volumes of ideas that you have for Thor. Um, had you said all you wanted to with Wolverine, for example, because you you really did tell a lot of Wolverine stories in various iterations of his own book and Wolverine and the X Men and, and 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 things. You know, would would you say that you you know, or or did you still have more to say with that character or even the Ghost Rider too, for that matter? No, I mean, I, th I think I was done with Wolverine. I mean, kind of the last issue of Wolverine and the X-Men was really the the end of the story I was telling with Wolverine. Um, the, I, I did Amazing X-Men after that, which was really more about Nightcrawler than it was a Wolverine story. So the, okay. you know, the, the original plan was I was going to stick around on that book longer. On Amazing uh, X-Men? Yeah, but then Star Wars came along so I had to had to step away from that so uh, um, before Star Wars I thought I would stay on Amazing X-Men until the death of Wolverine kind of once once I knew where once that flag was planted and I knew where that was I thought well that'd be a good point for me to step away you know I mean I sure. came, came to Marvel through Wolverine literally you know I won the yes talent search contest with a Wolverine story and Really, the entire time I had been at Marvel, I was doing Wolverine in some form or another, you know, and issues here and there, and a miniseries, and an ongoing book, and another ongoing, and then Wolverine and the X-Men. So he was a big part of my life for, I don't know, six years or so. So if he was going to die, that to me seemed like the great point for me to step away. So I, I don't know what story I would have written as a part of the death of Wolverine. I wouldn't have written the you know, the main book, but I mean, whatever amazing X-Men story I would have written, I, it probably would have been a Nightcrawler thing because I, I wrote um, one of, my, one of the, the Wolverine stories I was really the proudest of was I, I think the last issue of Wolverine Weapon X was about uh, the death of Nightcrawler and kind of 
um, Wolverine dealing with his feelings over the loss of Nightcrawler and kind of the influence Nightcrawler had on on, on him over the years. Mm-hmm. Again, it was very much a story about fate. Yes. Um, so I would have done the flip side of that, you know, just Nightcrawler dealing with with Logan's death. So, um, you know, I, that would have been cool to do, but um, you can't say no to Star Wars when it comes along. And, <laughs> and again, I kind of felt like I'd written sort of the end of the Wolverine story that, you know, I'd been telling, you know, for years, kind of across sure. a lot of different books. I'd, I was really proud of the Wolverine and the X-Men stuff. You know, I'd never done a book like that before. I'd never done a book that was quite that lighthearted. Yeah. Um, and they told a very different kind of Wolverine story. I was really happy to be able to do that book. And we did, like, what, how many... 50-something issues, didn't we? Of Wolverine and the X-Men? Was yeah, it really that many? I, it wouldn't surprise me. I figured it was around 40, but it wouldn't surprise me if it was 50. Um, I All I know is, as you say, that's that's the great thing, Jason, because you did. You Like you said, you came in on Wolverine, and you got to t- uh, tell so many different shades of the character in a way that like there are different shades of Batman but usually that's because there were different writers writing him for different uh, eras mm-hmm. and, and to appeal to a different audience. And I really think with in the case of Wolverine, you really got to show so many sides of him. The only thing I, I would think, and especially given Old Man Logan's current status quo, I didn't know if that would ever intrigue you to, to play in what Mark set up and what Brian did and now what Lemire is doing, right. if if that version of, of Wolverine would, would interest you. But you got to do an, a, an older Wolverine as well. Yeah, I did, yeah. And we flash forward in Wolverine the X-Men, very different kind of story. Yes. No, I mean, I'm, I'm excited to read what, what Jeff does. I'm a big fan of his. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, I haven't been tempted to, to go back to the X-Men. It wouldn't feel like going back. Um you know, like I said, I've got a wheelbarrow full of Thor stories I want to tell. I'm just getting started on Doctor Strange. We have big plans for that. Um, you know, I'm still having a blast on Star Wars, so uh, I don't see wanting to go back to do Wolverine anytime soon. Now, Ghost Rider, uh, maybe. I've, I've thought before it'd be cool to do... Um, like a mature reader's version of Ghost Rider, you know, Ghost Rider Max. Sure. I think I would I would do that. I don't know if I'd want to do another, you know, Ghost Rider in the Marvel Universe, but doing like a fresh mature reader's take on Ghost Rider I think would be a lot of fun. Um, and I'd like, I thought that about a couple of characters. I'd love to do uh, Max books. Some... You always played well in the Max books, man. I, your Punisher was... Tremendous. Thanks. Yeah, that's another thing I'm really, I'm really proud of. You know that that whole art team, that the whole the same team for that entire run. You know, with Steve Dillon, Dave Johnson, Matt Hollingsworth. Um, so that was really cool. And yeah, I'm really proud of that that story. Um, so it'd be fun to play in the the Max corner again. I mean, you don't you don't see a lot of that, but I hope those kind of books don't go completely away. I agree. I agree. All right, to wrap things up, Southern Bastards. We, you know, um, third arc is wrapping up. Uh, yes. Yeah, we got twelve. Uh, 
three more issues to go? Yeah. The next issue is a, a weird one. It's the it's one Jason Latour wrote and Chris Bruner drew. Oh, wow. Um, so it's a pretty wild issue. Um, then after that, Latour's back on art and I'm back writing. We have two issues to, to wrap up the arc. So this arc is called Homecoming, and each issue is focused on a different character. Yes. And by the end, you'll kind of see how they all fit together. They all take place over the course of Homecoming week as we're building towards the big game uh, between <laughs> Crow County and their rival, Wetumpka. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of like we, we did an arc like this. I think the second trade of Scalped was like this. We did Casino did. Boogie, same sort of thing where yep. um, you know, we focused on a lot of different characters. And with this one, you know, we're introducing new characters like the previous issue, issue 11 of Southern Bastards, we met um, sure. the, the Deacon Boone, who's the, the deacon from the Snake Handling Church. Oh, yes, excuse me. Yes, you're right. I Because, I, again, I caught up and I read both uh, the deacon story and the sheriff's story as well. And, yes, mentioning when we were talking about Mark Wade and snake handling. Right. <laughs> Mark, Mark Wade, well-known snake handler. Now, in fairness, Mark ran away from that kind of life and wasn't interested, and that's one of the reasons why he, he took off when he well, did. I know that he, about him. That's what he tells you. But. <laughs> no, honestly, dude, I am like Greek Orthodox from Chicago, so the whole snake handler thing, it just fascinates me, and I can... I'm 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 just blown away by it, and I and you know really it's this this entire series is an education as the same way that Scalp was as well. But it's this it's this very cool rich soap opera, and uh, and like you said, it is it's very Casino Boogie this current arc where we're learning a lot about some of these new characters, and and really you're you're still setting up the chessboard, but it's it's very it's really exciting uh, meeting these people and. Uh, Meanwhile, we're still getting more complexities out of the coach and, and you know, everybody that's come before. Uh, yes, yes, yeah, all that. Yeah, um, <laughs> you know, we, we kind of see the, a few of these characters in the second arc. Um, so we, we knew we were we were going to get to them eventually. Um, and, yeah, the, the, the fourth arc, the one after this, we'll kind of start to see all these threads uh, come crashing together. Um, I don't want to say too much about how the third arc ends, but um, yeah, I mean, it's, it still feels like we're kind of just getting our feet wet on this, even though we're, we've done what, 12 issues now. Um, you know, we're, we're still now just getting a lot of the, the players on the table. <clears throat> um, we've done we have three arcs and three very different arcs, you know. I mean, the first arc was pretty straight ahead and then had this big surprise ending and then the second arc was mostly flashbacks as we filled in the backstory of, of Coach Boss and, and this third one's, you know, uh, the arc full of uh, standalone stories that, that kind of connect together. So, um, you know, we're kind of mixing it up arc to arc. What can you tell us about Jason's uh, issue coming up? Well, it's very, it's very Latour. Like, it's very, it's, it's weird. It's a very uh, different kind of Southern Bastard story. It focuses on 
um, Cad, who was the, the kid from the first arc, who last we saw him was laid up in the hospital, uh, kind of picks up with his story and also focuses on Mayorhead, who's who is uh, Esau's right-hand man. Um, so kind of an odd pairing. They're very strange issues. You just have to kind of read it and see. But again, it all it all fits together, part of the same tapestry. Um, you know, in this this whole arc, even though we're we're looking at very different characters, uh, very different kinds of stories, issue to issue. Um, by the end, I think you'll you'll see how where everything's headed and how everything fits together. Well, I'm excited, man, because yeah, it's uh, Esau. By the way. Always a pleasure. <laughs> I can only imagine that. Like, I, I, on the one hand, he is such an extreme character, and on the other, I kind of can see him walking into a a bar and, <laughs> and somebody like him walking in. Yeah, he's a uh, you know he's he's an interesting character too because he's not just he's not just um, muscle. Yeah, he's not just the the, the full on badass. I mean, he's. You can kind of see from his issue, issue 10, that, mm-hmm. you know, he thinks he's a lot more badass than he actually is. Um, like in the, in the, the, when he first appeared in issue one, I think I described him as Kenny Powers, if Kenny Powers really could kick your ass. <laughs> like he, he maybe could kick your ass, but he's still, you know, kind of full of shit. He's not, he thinks he's, you know, one of the Dixie Mafia kingpins from the, the seventies. Um, but he's not, but still a very dangerous guy. And sometimes that, that kind of ignorance and that drive to prove himself to the world, you know, makes him even more dangerous as we saw in issue 10. You know, issue 10, and let's talk about that for a second, because another thing that you guys address, this is, it's interesting timing, unfortunately, or, or fortunately, I'm not really sure because, I I fully believe in what you guys are writing here, and 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 yet you know I I liked Jason's uh, essay about the the, mm-hmm. the Confederate flag and just the timing of really having to kind of maybe you know do that kind of essay to to explain where you guys are coming from with this story, and that a there is Southern pride here, but not the wrong kind of Southern pride, or you know miss or miss you know what you know what I'm saying. And I think I think people understand when I say when I when I when I qualify it that way. Yeah, um, I mean you can be proud and ashamed of a place at the same time, you know, which I think is also which you guys have talked about in every thing. It, right exactly yeah yeah I mean you know given that we were doing issue ten which is about Esau and he's a character that's got the word rebel tattooed on his throat, um, it felt like you know in that debate about the. Confederate flag exploded in the wake of the South Carolina shootings. It felt like something that we should comment on. You know, we do a book called Southern Bastards. So, so we did that cover, the the rebel flag cover as a charity cover, which we actually just we got sixteen thousand um, dollars from that cover that we'll be donating to the Mother Emanuel Hope Fund. Um, so that was really cool. So all the money That's from excellent. that. From that cover, we're sending to them. Um, so we were really, really excited about that. 
No, it's a it, this is epic, dude, and it really. I mean, I kind of felt like this was going to be another scalped, uh, as far as being kind of an epic story. And uh, again, I'm glad that we have the kind of comic market these days that uh, allows for this kind of book, and that you know you did get a very strong following for this book immediately. And uh, and I'm really glad to see that 11 issues in that you know things are like this, and also that a, a TV show is in development. Is it? Is it uh, is there a network yet, or is it uh, still kind of being developed to be shopped? No, it's with FX. So it is FX. Wow. Yep, Scott Rudin is producer and, and FX. Um, so it's moving ahead. Latour and I are trying to finish writing the pilot right now. So uh, that's kind of where we're at. But everything's been great so far, and we'll, we'll, you know, we're excited to see where it goes. Of course, it's all kind of a new new world for me. I'm not. You know, I don't really have much experience with this sort of thing. So who's helping you out in terms of, uh, you know, t- writing, t- like, or or how are you learning to adapt, you know, for television as far as writing and that? Well, I'm learning on the fly, John. I don't figure it out. <laughs> okay. I mean, I, you know, it's, um, I would probably be uh, intimidated if I was adapt adapting something that wasn't mine. I mean, coming into this, it's like nobody, know, nobody knows the story. Nobody knows this this world and these characters more than me. Um, and, the, you know, thankfully, the, the producers and FX, everybody has been really cool to work with so far. The notes have been great. Um, so yeah, I mean it's I've, I've never written a screenplay before, uh, so it's been a process, a little bit of a process figuring that out. Um, but you know, I think we, we it all seems like we're on the same page in terms of um, what we like about this story and what you know what how we want to present it um, to a television audience. So so we're really excited to to move on to the next step. Well, you you and I talked about Justified, and you had some issues with it. And it seems like FX with Justified and Sons of Anarchy really is kind of the right network for something like this, where they kind of at least understand the the most broadest parameters of the genre. Right. I mean, you know, Southern Bastards is something that's we've never been afraid to be pulpy in that yep. story. Um, you know, and I think. Um, because this is the same network that did Justified, I think we all agree. Like, we're not doing Justified too. Like, this needs to be no, no, a different show. It needs to feel like it's its own thing. So, um, and I think we've got that. I think we've got something that's very different. So, no, I'm excited. I mean, again, you know, I'm not looking to to leave comics behind and move to Hollywood forever. Um, I don't want to do that. This is I've, I've always. I've turned down stuff that wasn't um, mine. You know, I've always said, like, if somebody wants to make a TV show or a book I did, you know, I want to be as involved as possible. Uh, beyond that, I'm not really not really interested in, in making that jump. So, um, you know, I've certainly got what I asked for with this. You know, with Tour and I, um, you know, writing it together and we'll, we'll be involved, very involved with it from whatever happens here. So if it sucks, you know, it's our fault. Um, or Latour's fault, I should say. (laughs) 
I understand. That's great. And I can appreciate that on both ends. That's fantastic. Oh, man. Jason is long overdue. Actually, I haven't had him on the show since uh, the panel we did last year at Cincy Comic Con. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah, well, I've kind of been keeping the low profile. I haven't done any shows um, for a while now. I um, haven't traveled much. You know, just been busy. Um, I don't post on Twitter or anything very much. I kind of, you know, I, I, I just like doing the thing. Like I was talking about, I, I like, I love just the act of writing, uh, getting to sit down and write these stories. It kind of just feel like I'm just doing them for me, you know. I'm doing the Doctor Strange book I want to read and the the Star Wars book I want to read and and you know I send them off into the ether and then these amazing people actually make them and they come out and people buy them and all that part's great but the the meat of it the part I really love is me getting to sit here in my office and write these ridiculous stories every day and um, then you know I get to fuck off and watch football and wrestling and, you know, go to the movies with my family. boy, Very good. Excellent. So, and, uh, how is, how's Bama doing? I, I shame on me. I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not paying attention. But they're doing good. They got one loss this year, but they've, they're the number seven team in the country and they play LSU okay. in two weeks, which I'll be there for that one. I'll be in the stands for that game. The first game I've been to this year. Um, I really wanted to go to the one. So I, said screw it let's go to the biggest game of the year so you know, take all family or just the son no do you have, uh no going with some friends like some old high school friends okay so it's, all it's right the guys the guys weekends at a boy um, very which nice I, which i love you know i um i, I went to a game two years ago um and uh, i've only been to a few games over the year since i was going to school there so it feels great to go back now. You know, the stadium so huge. It's like 102,000 people. And there's wow. even more people than that. It seems like you come to Tuscaloosa just to hang out. So, you know, it's nice just to walk down the streets and everybody's wearing crimson. And, um, you know, when they win, you know, it's, it gets ugly when we, when we lose. But I feel pretty good about our chances against LSU. Does it stay warm then, uh, then or is it uh, fall weather? Yeah, well, you know, it doesn't get too cold in, in down south, so. 50s, 60s, 70s? Yeah, probably, yeah, it doesn't. If it gets, if it gets down in the 50s, people start freaking out like it's freezing. Yeah. <laughs> I understand. Because <laughs> we're starting on to go fill up the gas tank when it's 50 degrees. <laughs> That's great, man. I uh, no, I'm I'm thrilled for you. That's wonderful, and also that it's still fun for you because, as you say, you are doing a shit ton of books, but they're all great. And I'm and I'm really happy that you're getting to stretch in the directions that you're getting to stretch in. Uh, sure. Yeah. So. I mean, you know, five years from now, maybe we're doing another one of these podcasts, and I'm bitching about how much I hate the industry and how grumpy I am, and I hate what I'm doing. If that's the case, I hope you'll tell me to. You know, fuck off and go find another line of work. Um, but I don't envision getting to that point. I mean, I, uh, I love getting to do different things. I love everything I'm doing right now. You know, I just renewed my deal with Marvel, so I'll be around I saw that. For, yeah. for another few years and still get to do what I want to do creator-owned-wise. So 
I mean, I feel really lucky. I kind of got the best of both worlds. Um, I got no complaints with the people I'm working for and with and what I'm doing. Um, you know, and I'm not saying that just to bullshit. Um, like I'm genuinely, <laughs> genuinely happy uh, with what I'm doing. So it's, um, you know, I got no complaints. So um, hopefully it stays like that. I mean, I've never had to do uh, stuff where it really felt like work. Um, you know, stuff I didn't want to do. And I think at this point in my career, you know, I, I don't have to do that. I can kind of, you know, be a little more selective about what I want to do. So um, hopefully that shows in the work. Hopefully it shows that I'm having fun and love the stuff I'm working on. I think it does, man, honestly. And, I, and I'm glad because um, I think people do appreciate both your corporate comics and your creator own stuff as well. And I'm glad you've been able to find a balance to continue to do both and at the excellent level that you're, you're doing it at. So uh, that's good. And by the way, every time, and I tell you this, and it's the truth, you clearly are more relaxed and it is getting easier for you to at least talk about these books, at least with me. And, and I feel that way. <laughs> well, so I'm, a, I'm a quiet you know. guy. Like I, you know, again, I, 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 I'm, I'm better at doing the thing than I am at talking about doing the thing. I hear like, you. I, mean, I love going to show to conventions and doing panels and stuff, but that still, that feels like a very different job than kind of what I'm doing nine to five, you know, and sure. I think I'm better at, the one than I am the other, but hopefully I have gotten better at that. Like I, I did a, a spotlight panel a year or two ago at I think at Emerald City with uh, Jonah from CBR. He mm-hmm. was the moderator, and you know it went really well. Um, at the end of it, told me you know he said, "Oh, that was really fun. It was great." He said you've really gotten better at this, and I said, "Boy, are you trying to say like I used to be really bad at it?" <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no, but you're you're a quiet like you said, you're a quiet guy, and I'm sure Jonah, just like me, we've gotten you know, you've gotten comfortable with us and we and I mean I just know and I'm always happy when it whenever you bust my chops, man, it's like all right, good. Then that you know, clearly, you know, you're having fun and, and you're enjoying the conversation. And truly I, I think you know, I, and also honestly, I get I get responses from uh listeners as well who are like well, Jason really opened up, and it really seems like like the last few. I'll get a few emails, and like you know, compared to your first couple of conversations, and I'm like, well, yeah, because we really didn't know each other well, <laughs> so I'm sure he wasn't comfortable or whatever, and I didn't know what to ask. But now we've kind of fallen into a good rhythm where you know, again, we we I, I understand your body of work a bit better, and also uh, you know, the great thing is you keep coming up with new tricks, and and you're you're like I said, you keep stretching yourself in these different directions. And it's the the good news is you're you're enjoying what you're doing and it and it comes through. Thanks, thanks. Yeah, I'm trying. Absolutely. But now if we could just get you to listen to country music, we'd be doing good, right? <laughs> Maybe another yeah. five another five or so podcasts, and then we'll we'll break so, down like, those barriers and turn you into John, a real country music fan. Yeah, John Hyatt doesn't count. Well, but John Hyatt's good, but I'm, no, no, he doesn't count. All right, there you go. You know, dude, Keep I pushing. think you'd like. All right, I th- I really think you'd like um, the Fourth of July music festival that I go to uh, every year around here. Uh, it's on the in the south suburbs, and it's a place called Fitzgerald's, and it's that acoustic 
kind of alt country meets blues. Uh, that that's kind of the cross section of music that we get. We get a lot of New Orleans backs. We get a lot of uh, session people that are in uh, Nashville and some of the other uh, music capitals that that come out. And they're not big names, but they really are like people that are you know uh, side side men on and side women on on a bunch of different uh, acts. At Marsha Ball is another one, and that's more New Orleans kind of stuff. I know uh, Marsha Ball's husband. This is like we sidetrack, but he was he served in Vietnam with my cousin Gus, the guy who wrote Full Metal Full Jacket. Down. Yeah, her husband. Wow. Gordon. Wow. His buddies with who was buddies with Gus. Crazy. Yeah, because you know XRT, the the rock station that I work at. That's you know when they're not playing classic rock, they. Uh, or what they call classic rock, they you know they dip into that kind of New Orleans and blues and 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 kind of alt country stuff. So, yeah. so you're learning. That's what you're trying to say. You're working on trying, it. son. I am. Good. I am trying. I am trying. It's good that so. it's, I'm having some influence on you. I'm happy. To- Always have, man. Absolutely. Well, keep it up, dude. And uh, and no, thanks for coming back. And uh, I'm, when when I know when you turn me down, that you are busy. So uh, when there when there are free moments and uh, do I turn you, you down all the time? You don't turn me down all the time, but you you, you are, are you, busy. Are you a, are you a jilted podcaster? Is that what you're trying to say? No, I'm just always happy to talk to you because you're you're telling interesting stories, and I want to keep up. I'm not playing hard to get. No, no, you're um, busy. Hey, you rattled off the books, man. You got a lot of you got a lot on your plate, dude. It's all right, but uh, yeah, no. When um, you know, I don't know when when you know things open up and we kind of know what's happening with Thor or. Uh, you know, perhaps uh, when we when we see the big reveal in the next arc of Southern Bastards or Doctor Strange, you'll you'll come back. Sure. Well, thanks for playing tonight, as always. <laughs> no problem. Thanks for having me. There you go. Another Word Balloon podcast in the books. Thank you very much for listening, and I uh, hope you enjoyed today's show. It was brought to you by the League of Word Balloon listeners. Thank you, as always, many hundreds of you for your support. I appreciate it very much. If you'd like to be part of the League, uh, all you have to do is uh, go to my uh, front page, wordballoon.com. You can click on the Patreon link. Uh, Word Balloon is uh, offered via subscription. Word Balloon is free. It's always going to be free. But if you want to help the cause out and you can spare even a dollar a month, that would be great. Come to WordBalloon.com and uh, you'll get all the information right there. Word Balloon is also brought to you by InStock Trades at InStockTrades.com. Great deals are happening now. Uh, lots of books at uh, reasonable prices just in time for the holidays. Don't forget, if it's your first order at InStock Trades, you'll receive an additional 2% off your total order. And that's above the drastic uh, price slashing that they're doing on lots of great books. Things like Alesh Kot's Wolf, Trade Paperback Volume 1 is out now, 50% off, just $4.99. You can get the Star Wars hardcover Episode 6 Return of the Jedi adaptation uh, featuring the writing of Archie Goodwin and the beautiful art of Al Williamson, 50% off, just $12.49. You can get American Vampire uh, Volume 7, uh, from uh, Scott Snyder and Raphael Albuquerque, 50% off, just $7.49. Uh, Superman Family Adventures, or I should say Superman Adventures. You see, I'm showing my age again. Superman Adventures, 50% off, $9.99. You can get Herb Trimpey's Incredible Hulk Artist Edition hardcover uh, featuring uh, Roy Thomas on writing and Herb Trimpey on art. Beautiful, 144 pages. Great stories from Herb and Roy and Jerry Conway. Uh, it is uh, just $100 at InStockTrades.com. 
So tremendous deals are happening now. Check them out right now for yourself. InStockTrades.com. Thanks for listening to today's Word Balloon. John Suttress reminding you, if you have any questions or comments about the show, reach me via email, john at wordballoon.com. Follow me at Twitter under at John Word Balloon. You can also follow me on Facebook under my name, John Suttress, or the Word Balloon Network. And I look forward to your feedback as always. Until next time, yes, the more episodes are coming in the month of November. It's going to be a very active month. I'm uh, going back to single guest and seeing how you guys like it. Uh, but uh, we'll see if uh, that continues. It, it may not. It's always on, on my whim and my schedule. But I hope you've been enjoying uh, the amount of uh, programming you've gotten so far in November. The uh, hits keep coming out and will continue probably through the end of the year. So I look forward to you uh, talking to you on another Word Balloon in just a few days. Until next time, Word Balloon is a copyright feature of Shaky Productions, copyright 2015.